Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Find hidden clues and uncover a murder mystery. Solve mind-teasing mysteries of the Roaring Twenties. Engage your sense of observation to find hidden clues. Search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris and uncover a collection of dazzling hidden object spectacles for you to solve. We're all here because we love true crime, right? Well, this game has the perfect twists and turns to keep your brain asking, what happened here? There's nothing I love more than getting to decorate my very own luxurious state island. The best part? You can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hello, listeners. This week, I joined the experts on the Real Crime Profile podcast to discuss the murders of three sisters from Atlanta, Texas. Nine-year-old Zyariel Robinson Oliver, eight-year-old Amaya Hughes, and five-year-old Tamari Robinson Oliver were all found dead in a pond in July 2022. And it took eight months before autopsy results were released, revealing that the sisters had been strangled. But it's been weeks since that information was released, and the story has gotten very little attention, despite the many questionable things surrounding these murders. As a bonus this week, I'm dropping the episode into your feeds that I recorded with Real Crime Profile. Listen to part one of this important conversation and catch the second part on May 3rd on the Real Crime Profile podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. As County officials are still trying to figure out what led to the drowning deaths of three young girls in a private pond yesterday. Officials say they recovered the bodies of nine-year-old Zyariel Oliver, eight-year-old Amaya Harvey, and five-year-old Tamari Oliver yesterday, mor yesterday morning near Cass County 3319. This after they were reported missing Friday night. Officials say their bodies were found in a pond at a neighboring property of where they live. Three juvenile females were reported missing. We all responded our Texas Parks and Wildlife and Cass County Sheriff's Office, along with their some of their volunteer fire departments, responded to the area. We located items of clothing around the pond and in a pond. So we centered the search on that small body of water. And with the use of divers, we were able to recover the three victims at approximately 2 a.m. this morning. Officials said they've ordered an autopsy for those three girls. Hey everybody and welcome to Real Crime Profile. I'm Laura Richards, criminal behavioural analyst, former New Scotland Yard, founder of Paladin National Stalking Advocacy Service and host of the podcast Crime Analyst. And with me today is... Hi, I'm Jim Clementi, retired FBI profiler, former New York City prosecutor and writer-producer of Criminal Minds. But my specialty in the behavioural analysis unit was child abductions and child abduction homicides. And I'm Lisa Zambetti. I'm the casting director for CBS's Criminal Minds. I have a real interest in real crime and these amazing minds that help solve these crimes. And with us today, we have a very, very special guest who's going to help us deconstruct a case we're going to talk about today. And she is? I am Amara Kofer, and I am the creator and host of Black Girl Gone, a true crime podcast that focuses on um, missing and murdered uh, Black women and girls and women of color. 
Well and you do such incredible work and we warmly welcome you onto Real Crime Profile. And I have to say, having followed your work, knowing that it is so important, I came across a case I'd never heard of before. And I really, along with Lisa and Jim, we wanted to talk to you about the case of the three little black girls. And I'm talking about Zeriel Robinson Oliver, who was nine, Amaya Hughes, who was eight, and Tamari Robinson Oliver, who was five, and three little black girls under the age of 10 who went missing on the evening of July 29th, 2022. And this was in Atlanta, Texas. And I was really aghast to hear that, firstly, the case was ruled as an accidental drowning. And then within your post, you had talked about actually the case had now been determined to be a homicide and that these three little girls were found in a pond in a neighboring property. And the cause of death was strangulation. And the autopsy results became known eight months later. But there's no suspect, there isn't really much information about the case, and there's no outrage. And I was really shocked by that. It's so egregious. And we want to talk through today the detail of of what you know and what happened and get into the timeline and and what's gone on subsequently. So what can you share with us and our listeners? Because most of our listeners probably haven't heard about the case either. Yeah. So um, like you said, I I discovered this case um, the end of March when when the local media uh, started reporting about it. And um, what I know, what I knew was that the, the there was three little girls who, like you said, in Atlantic, Texas, who had um, drowned in, or they thought had drowned in July of 2022. Um, there were, you know, some articles, a lot of articles about the drowning, about the missing sisters. Um, and then after that, there wasn't anything until eight months later when these autopsy results um, were released. And when I found out that they were actually had been strangled, I was just like, wait, how is this how is this possible? How are three sisters, not just three random little girls in the town, three sisters mm-hmm. all strangled? And then, you know, you had the lacerations on their faces, as as, as some of the reporting has said. Um, and so I was just like, OK, this is something that I kind of need to pay attention to. But what I was able to kind of find was was very little, which was also the reason why I was like, wait a minute, why isn't anybody talking about this. I mean, you know, you guys know that every single story doesn't get the same amount of attention, regardless of of race or, or what's, it's just impossible for everyone to get the same attention. But this case seemed like a case that really would have caught people's attention. So, well, I'm sorry. I think you're absolutely, no, I'm sorry. But, well, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, there's, this is a very extremely rare occurrence in the United States of America. Um, we do in the when I was in the behavioral analysis unit, we did a study on all the child abductions over the course of 10 years in the United States of America. And they're typically about somewhere between 120 to 200 a year in the mm. United States that are non-familial long term term abductions. And about two thirds of them are fatal. All right. Mm. But to have multiple three girls under the age of 10, as as Laura pointed out, uh, murdered is extremely rare. In fact, I don't know if there's another case like this. Now, there was a case in West Memphis, Arkansas Mm -hmm. called the West Memphis Three case, 
where I thought of that right away. That's the first yeah, thing I thought of when I heard. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it 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 disturbs me incredibly because that case still remains unsolved because the district district attorney has gotten Alfred pleas from the three innocent guys who they convicted. Um, they looked at it as as a as a satanic torture kind of case when that was not it at all. And I believe that well, the killer is still out there. The the real killer. Those three young men now uh, are 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 out because they get, they took an Alfred plea, which means they're saying, well, we didn't do it. We denied doing it, but we're going to plead guilty. Yeah. And the person who actually did it is still free. And that's absolutely the case in this case, because yeah. there has been no even attempt, apparently, at arresting anyone. Now, be that as it may, I mean, they should investigate fully. Because you don't you don't just arrest somebody because you need somebody to be arrested. You have exactly. to have probable cause for the arrest. But here's the thing. These girls were found in a lake or a pond about 200 yards from yeah. their home. Yes. Okay. Now, I will tell you that when we did the child abduction study, we found that when multiple kids go missing mm-hmm. and there is a body of water, whether a lake an ocean or a river nearby, that there is a high probability that those bodies will be found in the lake. And many times, especially in multiple cases, when there's more than one, we find we have found that those cases can be drownings, maybe drownings. And what happens is they go to the water. They one person gets in trouble. The other one tries to save them and they both end up drowning. That has happened many times here in the United States. But when there is physical evidence of strangulation, when the autopsies reveal that it is a murder, a homicide committed by another person rather than accidental drowning, that should have been determined fairly quickly. Yeah. Do we know when the autopsies were actually performed? And we don't. We we all we, we know, know that. we don't even know the exact dates of the autopsy. I mean, right. We're assuming that it took them eight months to 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 do the autopsy. Well, which, that why? I will tell you this. Why that, that is not and that is not typical protocol. That yeah. is absolute. The autopsy should be done as soon after the death as possible. To tell me that it took if. It took eight months for the autopsy to be done. That is a major problem in this investigation. These three little girls deserved to have those answers and their family deserved to have those answers immediately or as soon after immediately as possible. So that's one big question that, that we need to get answered. Because and I think that it is that we that the autopsy was just released. And the reason why I believe that is because the family wasn't saying anything. And it's hard for me to believe that if six to eight mm-hmm. weeks after these little girls were murdered, that they knew that they were murdered. And no, that why would they wait eight months? Why would the family wait eight months to then start holding, you know, a press conference or, or you know, speaking to the press? That's the, I'm not that's sure. Well, the mother, let's think about the mother for a minute, because that's yeah. a very good point. And Shamanique was the mother of six children, and these were three of her babies, right? And she did speak out for the first time on March the 27th following the appeal for information that 
the police did, which, again, the appeal for information eight months on is a major problem. But the mother did say specifically she doesn't care who she upsets by speaking out, which leads me to believe that she was gagged for some reason. And I think when something catastrophic happens to you, you're in the hands of other people around you. And perhaps law enforcement did say they were doing other things, but bearing in mind they ruled it to be an accidental drowning, I doubt that that was really the case. And that's why I think, you know, given the injuries, given what we know, in fact, two of the girls had busted lips. That's how it was described. And it was the eldest Ziariel, who had facial reconstruction done to the side of her face because of lacerations. And therefore, that would have been in full view when the bodies were recovered. So I'm curious about why questions weren't asked right from the start, particularly as mum said the girls knew not to go to the pond. And that was clear direction that they had. And the fact that they were out that night, that's another question about you know, at night, eight, nine o'clock, where they go missing, they were being they looked were, after, right, yeah, by a, a babysitter. The cousin, I believe it was a male cousin, who was babysitting all of the children. So there, that that's why I said there's so many things that are just very strange about this case, because it wasn't just the three girls. There were three other children at the home. Um, now, I don't know the exact ages of those siblings, but the fact that you have a total of six children in the home, but only three of them or, you know, go missing. And according to their mother, she gets a call from the cousin saying the girls are missing. And she's like, well, what do you mean they're missing? But one thing, Laura, didn't the autopsy also say that they were all sexually assaulted? All three of the girls were sexually assaulted and that there weren't just lacerations on the girls' faces, but one girl's face was was like had been beaten. I'm just in shock over. Well, I do, has that been confirmed that the autopsy does say that? Because I, I didn't I mean, I didn't that. find that yes. information. I did hear yes. mom okay. say in a recent interview that she's been led to believe that there were that the girls were molested, but they were found with their full clothes on. It was their shoes that they were missing and the right. one side of Ziariel's face that they believed it was a beating, but her skin had been torn and she had to have her face reconstructed for, for the, the funeral. Okay. So again, just to say something about that, we don't know whether that was animal predation, right. for example. That's what I was going to say. Um, but we do know that the, the two younger girls had their lips busted and that sounds more like it was a, a, a beating. Yeah. But I do think it's interesting the eldest had that level of injury, whether it was animal predation and Jim and I would, you know, the bodies were in that pond for a number of hours. We right. know that they were missing from eight o'clock, but mum was informed at nine o'clock. Now she's a certified registered nurse. She was at work. And as you said, Amara, the, the cousin called her up and said, your kids are missing. He didn't specify exactly who and how many. And she called the police, I believe around 10 o'clock. And then there was a search and then the bodies were found around 2 a.m. So there's a period of time where their bodies were in the water. And the other strange circumstances around the case is that Tamari's tennis shoes were found crossed over each other on the uh, in the mud by the pond. There was a footprint that was found in the mud. And I don't know if that was an adult size yeah. footprint or a child's footprint, but there was also a bicycle found and a scooter. 
So for law enforcement's perspective, you know, when they're doing this search, given that this was 200 yards away, all indications are the water, the body of water would need to be searched. And of course, they recover the three little girls. But I found, I just want to quote what Lieutenant Jones said, which I found very bizarre. This was at the time that they were found. He said that he didn't know if the girls were good swimmers and that they didn't have life jackets on which I thought was a really bizarre comment. You only have life jackets on when you're on a boat, right? Right, not at a pond, but given mom Like you said, said, not even intending to swim because you can't swim with the life vest on, so... It's it's such a random comment that that even that comment on its own wouldn't give me too much faith about who's investigating it. And I think mom had said right from the start, she suspected foul play. And I just wonder, Amara, how much her voice has been heard in amongst other people talking to her and maybe telling her not to talk about what happened. And I do just want to acknowledge how absolutely devastating this must be for her and the family. I I talk as a mother of one little boy, but to have three babies brutally murdered in this way and for this time to have passed without any answers, that's why she spoke out to the Daily Beast and she said she didn't give a, you know, she didn't care who she upset. She wanted answers and she's demanding them. Yeah, I think that's important. And sadly, she's been, you know, she was saying in that in that Daily Beast article that people have been, you know, harassing her and, you know, accusing her of things. And, you know, that's, you know, that's, it's it's a shame. Because like you said, I, I too am a mother. I have nine-year-old yeah. twin boys. Um, my, my oldest daughter, she's 14, but her name is Amaya also. Um, oh. So this is very, very close to me. I feel very close and I feel heartbroken for this mother. Um, and because we don't know the detail, and, and, and that I partially do blame on the, the police, because if we had a little bit more information, then maybe people wouldn't be giving this type of energy to the mother. Um, we know that this there's a possibility that parents involved, parents um, are responsible for their children's murder. We, kn- we know that this happens. It's not, that's something that that's not unheard of. But without any facts, um, all we do know is that this mother's children, three of her children, were murdered. Right, and, and we also know the mother was out. Yeah, we know that, that, work, she, right? that she went to work. Right. At, if we walk so, back the timeline, and there was a one, babysitter, so and there was, there was a caregiver right. there. Right, so we know, you know that how she old went to. The and based is? on the facts that we do know, we don't have any anything to do right. with this. Ms. Wilkerson, your children would never have gone to that pond on their own. I'm sure from what I have researched, you made it very clear they were not to go there and they did not go there under your watch. No, we never knew about a pond being back there. And I grew up out there my whole life. So I never knew it was a pond out there. And my kids wouldn't go in the field, no way, because there are animals out there, cows and horses. So they never would have stepped foot over there. I think that point about mom being harassed and all these horrific things being said is really important because she did what millions of us do all the time, go to work and have somebody care for and look after your children. And she had her 31-year-old cousin looking after the six children. 
And so there was no just leaving them alone. And she's hustling to make a living, right, to provide for them. And so people should be supportive to her, not sympathetic to that. And people, you know, one of the things that I've learned through doing this podcast and doing a show focusing on on particularly black women in this situation, when you know, uh, when the when the video went viral that I did and, and everybody was commenting, a lot of the comments were like, well, where's the mother? Well, where's the family? Well, why isn't the family speaking out? Well, if that was my child, I'd be doing X, Y, and Z. And people fail to realize that, number one, everybody is not social media savvy. Everybody doesn't know what to do. And a lot of times, even when they try they're they're ignored. I've I've told many a story where family has gone to the media. They begged for them to cover the story and they won't right. do it. So to make an assumption, you know, there's a lot of assumptions being made about this mother and about what she did or didn't do. And, you know, that was never my intention. I wanted to focus on what the law enforcement is not telling us and what the media is not telling us. And people are like, well, maybe the media isn't talking about it because, the, you know, there's there's no information. Well, that, that's never stopped the media from talking about something. Right. And, <laughs> and the fact is, you know, we covered, we we interviewed the women that started Black and Missing and mm-hmm. and they had the same exact issue there. We interviewed the women who were involved in the, the uh, Native American um, murdered and missing women yeah. and the same thing happened with them. There's a there's a little bit of a pattern here. And, you know, the fact is that there are people, mainly people of color who are not able to get the media involved, which then doesn't stir the police department to be involved. So in this case, though, there there is a huge gap between the time that the bodies were discovered and the time, March 23rd, when the autopsy report was released and the police asked for cooperation of the public. That should have been done immediately. Both of those things. And even if they didn't have the autopsy reports immediately, they should have asked for cooperation of the public to find out if anybody was driving by at that time, anybody who saw anything or heard anything or knew anything about the people that were involved here. Now, I have to say that I don't know anything about this male cousin. I don't, but a 31 year old male who is uh, responsible, um, should be able to, to babysit kids of this age group. I don't know if the other three are older than these children yeah. or younger than these children. It's, so they're I'm not all the sure. children are under 10. So they're 10. All under, of them. Yeah. And so, one of them was four. And she said that the three sisters went into the woods with him. That's what the four year old reported. Wow. So to give that context and to give you another piece of information, Jim, about the babysitter's criminal history, because he does have a criminal history, which included misdemeanor weapons, narcotics, criminal mischief arrests, which I'm not really sure would fall under that. But he does have a criminal history and it sounds like he hasn't been spoken with. But I do think that the four year old what she said is significant given the circumstances when, of the case. When did she make that statement? Because if she made that statement when they were missing, but my that's God. What we, we don't know. There are so many unanswered questions. There are just so many. And I mean, that is and, the elephant in the room, that he has not been questioned by the police. By any of the reporting that I've seen, he has not made a statement that he has deliberately and his mother have deliberately said, we're not going to speak to the police. So that's a big, huge question mark in my mind. And why did he... Um, 
go to the neighbor. We should go back to the timeline for a second because Ms. Wickerson went to work at 1 p.m. for her job as a nurse's aide, and which she went to work in Texarkana, which is about you know 20 miles away, and she left them in the care of her cousin. Now this is the summertime, right? This is every mother's nightmare, right? What do you do with your kids during the summertime? It's hard enough when you have two parents taking care of children. Um, during the school year. But if you're a single mom, there are no dads involved here, no financial help for her. She's got to figure out what to do with all these precious babies while she's at work. So thank you for saying that, Lisa, because focusing on mothers and what they did and didn't do, and we don't talk about the fathers, where are they in this? What was going on with them? No one's, they're not catching heat. But yes, go back to the timeline. So she calls them. She calls them at home at around four or five in the evening to check on them. They're supposed to be having dinner, wrapping up the day. Uh, It's hot as hell. Uh, July 20, that night, I looked up that date. It was like 103 degrees Mm -hmm. that day and everything was fine. And so she hangs up. She continues her work until this cousin calls. And apparently he doesn't call from the house. He goes to a neighbor's house Mm -hmm. and calls from the neighbor's house. Now, these are questions. Why why did he go to the neighbor? Is he going to the neighbor to get help? Why is he using that phone? Why is it reported that he was sopping wet when he came to the neighbor's house? This is what I'm reading. This is what Nancy Grace is uh, reporting is saying, and this is what the Daily Beast's report is saying. Um, So there's there's just a lot of questions, and nobody's accusing anybody of anything. But but why has he not been questioned? And have all of the children been questioned by the police? And why wouldn't you volunteer that information? Mm -hmm. If you're the babysitter, you're last to see the girls alive, right? Why? It's critically important, right? With that information. And And I I think, you know, there was just another piece of that information, which was he was present at the funeral and fell asleep, apparently. So the behavior, the red flags of asking questions to try and get this information, I can't even imagine how frustrating that must be for Shamanit, for the mom. The part that makes me so, like, the the, the part that really makes me upset is that, you know, I'm thinking about them. If, if, what is what we believe to be true is that they haven't been, they didn't start investigating this and they haven't been investigating for eight eight months. Then I'm thinking about everything that they've lost in these eight months, the memory of the children, how reliable their memories are going to be eight months later. If they didn't get statements from them the night that this happened, it's just so frustrating because a case that really, you know, if, 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 if it had been investigated, might've been solved right away is now, who knows? Right. And, and when you tell me, though, that these kids were discovered, their bodies were discovered within hours of them being reported missing, yet there was no investigation, there was no follow-up investigation. If this information that he called from another house, he didn't go back to the house where these other kids were, he called soaking wet, those details, when you're talking about somebody who supposedly was at that house the whole time watching these kids and didn't leave, but then knowing that he went off into the woods with these three girls and then reported them missing hours later. A very sad update tonight on a story we first reported on last summer. In July of 2022, three siblings reported missing were found dead inside a nearby pond. That news shocked the entire community and the Atlanta school district where those children attended class. 
Now we're learning the Texas Rangers are investigating their deaths as a homicide after autopsy reports returned showing evidence of strangulation. The girls also suffered some lacerations to their faces. Authorities say multiple witness statements have been obtained. DNA testing is ongoing and that investigation will continue. If anybody has any information about their deaths, call Texas Ranger Josh Mason at 903 905-5727. missed opportunity there, Jim and Laura, for the for the police to actually collect evidence from his body. Of course. Like, does Absolutely. he have scratches? Does he have... And yeah. the footprint as well. You know, Once, at the time, yeah. they see a footprint, but we don't know whether it's an adult footprint. This is in the mud. Or whether well, they the preserved it. The girls were it. strangled and, and placed in that body of water. So I doubt that it's the girls, any of the girls' footprint. So did they preserve it? Exactly, Jim. All of this is very important investigative opportunities that have been missed that you never get back. It will never come back round again. People's memories being jogged exactly. and so on, you know, and the police because in there. Because if you put them into the woods, I mean, I don't know how close the houses are. You know, I know, you know, I, I live in I live in the city, so we're all very close together. But I know, you know, in the country, in the suburbs, people tend to be a little further. So I don't know when the, where the next house was, but I'm thinking three girls in the woods, even if he started attacking one of them, did they scream? Were there, were there you know, all of these things that would have been happening in that moment, because it's hard for him to believe that there was no reaction from them if he started attacking one of the girls and the other two girls, even if they were scared, you know, were there screams, were there, did anybody else hear anything? But like we said, if there was no initial investigation, if they just took these girls, said they drowned, and then case closed until the autopsy was done for whatever reason, however long that, I mean, why that was taking so long, then well, we did. the girls we, buried? I believe within, you know, I don't, I'm not exactly sure. I would assume that it was. Well, if they were buried within a week or so of, of the discovery of their bodies, then the autopsies had to have been done before that, unless they exhumed them. I haven't heard of anybody exhuming them. So these autopsies and their conclusions should have been present months ago, many months ago. Unless they were waiting, it is possible they were waiting for toxicology reports, but they shouldn't take eight months to make there a determination. There was a GoFundMe, Jim. Mom had a GoFundMe to raise money to be able to bury the girls, and I don't know whether that delayed things as well. So I don't have a date for when the funeral took place, but it, it is very bizarre. So I just found a, a obituary for Zyariel, and it said that the, the the funeral was held on August 13th, at 1 p.m. They said, we'll have a funeral service. Now, whether it was a memorial and there was a, I, that I wouldn't, I obviously don't know. But okay, they so that's about two weeks. It's about after. two and a half. Yeah, two weeks after they were, their bodies were discovered. Yes. So that tells me that unless they were exhumed, there would have been autopsies. They had to have been done in the first week or so after the bodies were discovered. That means that this information was not acted upon by the police. That means that this cousin who absolutely needed to be questioned and fingerprinted and get his DNA, all of that can be done legally through the criminal process, whether he wants to cooperate or not. So we have so much more to talk about. You know, when I first started looking at this case, I wondered how much there would actually be available for us to discuss. But actually, there is quite a lot. But there are certainly more questions than we have answers. So we've got to get you back, Amara. We really want to carry on talking with you. 
So I'm really happy that you're going to be joining us next week again to talk about Zeriel Robinson-Oliver, Amaya Hughes, Tamari Robinson-Oliver, three little girls who are under the age of 10 and deserve our attention and deserve accountability and justice. So for now, this is Real Crime Profile signing out. If you like listening to our show and appreciate the work that Jim and Laura do and their expertise, you can do us a big favor. Please head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to our pod and leave us a five-star rating and write your thoughts about why you enjoy our show. It really, really is important and helps other people find us. Also, did you know that you can share our episode? It is so easy. On the Apple Podcast app, click the three dots, drop down menu and you'll see an option to share to your socials or to a particular person and then they can hear for themselves why you love listening to Real Crime Profile. Thank you so much for your support. Real Crime Profile was created by Jim Clementi, Laura Richards, and Lisa Zambetti. Produced by Laura Richards, Lisa Zambetti, Jim Clementi, and XG Productions, and distributed by Wondery. Editing by Nick Jaworski at Podcast Monster. Logo art by Jim Clementi. Music composed and performed by Simba Tsumba. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.